So when I was young in Christ, brand new baby in Jesus, had graduated from the big city of Post Texas, Post High School, graduation, graduating class of 69 students. I was somewhere in the middle of the pack, probably, give or take. And I moved to Lubbock to go to Texas Tech and begin to grow in my faith and met some wonderful believers and ended up in a church that was, and get the title, get the name of this church, Bacon Heights Baptist Church. We called it Hog Heaven. <laughs> For real. That's, so Bacon Heights is an area in Lubbock. It's just a little, it's a neighborhood, and so they built a church there. So, so I remember those early days, just young in faith, so hungry, so hungry after God. And the pastor there was Pastor Hank Scott, Brother Hank. And Brother Hank was just, he had been there 100 years. I don't know how old he was, but he, at my age at that time, he seemed like he was 100 years. But I just remember that he would just get up and he would just love us. I felt so loved by him. And I have to tell you something about Brother Hank. He wasn't flashy. There was no bells and whistles. He didn't have all the cool stuff that we do, you know, and all the added things. He was just pretty bare bones. But here's what I knew every time Pastor Hank got up. I knew I was loved. I knew I was loved. In fact, Annette and I were talking about people that have impacted our lives over the years. And quite honestly, and this isn't a knock, and I, I completely understand this, is that we don't remember a lot of what they said or what they preached, their content. I'm humble enough to get that, and it's okay. But we do remember who they were. And we remember that our lives were marked Again, not by the content, not by the information, but by the person and what flowed out of them as they shared and opened the scripture. And so Pastor Hank, Brother Hank was one of those who just loved us. And then later it was Pastor Kim Norwood. By the way, Kim's a guy. Kim's a dude. And uh, Pastor Norwood was another one who just life emanated out of him. And my life was marked because of him. And, and he's where I got this idea about being pragmatic about Christianity. I happen to believe the Bible works in real life and in the real world. Whoa, wild, huh? And so Pastor Kim imported, imparted that into my life, but I always knew I was loved. The people that mark us the most through this journey in this nutty world that we live in are really the people who loved us, whose affection flowed out of them, and it touched our lives. If you look around, it doesn't take long to figure out we live in a pretty crazy world right now. And I'm telling you, if there is not a time where we need to know that we're loved, to know that the people we walk with love us, to know the people we do life with, we have a saying around here, where we live, where we work, and where we play, we need to know that we're loved. But I want to flip the script a little bit on you too there, because we need to know that we have within us the capacity to love them. Where we live, where we work, and where we play. I'm going to break that down a little bit, unpack that for you. We're continuing our journey through the book of Philippians. Now, the style that I'm doing, if you know anything about this is called expository, which means we take a book of the Bible, and we go through line upon line, verse upon verse. I love that because you get the whole picture. You get the context. It's, it, it's you know, if, if we would have, try to pick up Downton Abbey in the fourth season, we would have been clueless. 
But the fact that we binge watch, what, seven seasons of that? And the movie at the end? It was because we knew and understood the context. So we say around here, context is king. So I'm glad you're on the journey. We're in week two. And here's the title of this week's section. And we're doing Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. He finishes what he starts. And so I want to dive into this with you. And let's pray as we get started. Father, we submit our hearts to you, our minds to you, our wills, our emotion, our very soul. We consecrate and set them apart to you and for you. And I'm asking a favor for all of us today. Would you teach us? Holy Spirit, your very word calls you the spirit of truth. And that you're the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. And that's our heart's desire. In a very real sense, Father, I'm here as a son. I'm looking for a challenge, Lord. I'm looking for you to give me my orders for this week. I, I want to be called up. And so, Lord, for all of us, would you speak to us? We trust you to do that. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Now, the definition of hallelujah, because we're using the title for the whole series, Hallelujah Anyway. And you know, Leonard Cohen wrote a beautiful song back in 1984 called Hallelujah. You've probably heard it. But do you know that he actually wrote 80 verses to that song? before he landed on the final version of that song. That's a lot of verses for a song called Hallelujah. But look at his quote there at the bottom. When one looks at the world, there's only one thing to say, and it's hallelujah. That's the way it is. Now, we've taken an aberration of that. We say hallelujah anyway. And you can take what, Robert, or what Leonard is saying, and you can go either way with that, because you could say if the world is in pain and there's despair and it's craziness out there, then we should say hallelujah, and that's the way it is. Or as we say it, hallelujah anyway. But it also could be not just on the negative. It could be because the world is also a beautiful place. It's beautiful and brutal at the same time. I have a word for that. It's brutal. The world is a brutal place. And in the beauty of it, we, we moved out in the country. We lived in Fredericksburg for three years, and I lived in the hill country. I was like... I can't see any hills. I live in the hill country. And so we moved outside of town and we got a place out in the country. And, and when you throw the curtains back on my bedroom, you look out into, into trees and, and a little bit of a hill that goes down to a creek that used to have water in it. It doesn't right now. Maybe someday. We can, we can hope. But it's beautiful. And, and, and if you look across the road, across the highway, you look right up a little hill called Forgiveness Hill. Out on 87, there's a cross up on top. It's called the Happy H Ranch. It's a wedding venue up there. But I love being able to, to just open the windows and see that hill and see the cross or see in through the trees. And the other morning, I threw the curtain back, and just this incredible sunrise was coming, and it was poking through the trees. But also with the sunlight coming through the trees, it was one of those foggy mornings. And it was literally like no filter needed. It was incredibly gorgeous. And I literally stood there and went, wow. And then I ran to find my camera. I ran and gra grabbed my phone and took a picture of it because of the beauty. I wanted to capture the beauty of that in that moment. Why? Because the world is also a beautiful place. And we should say hallelujah anyway. Whether it's brutal in a, in a bad way or brutal in a, in a good way, we should be able to say hallelujah anyway. 
in the situation. Listen to the word hallelujah means, it's a Hebrew word, and it literally means praise God, praise Yahweh. It's a shout or a song of praise, joy or thanksgiving, and in its simplest form, it's you and me saying praise the Lord. So when we shout hallelujah, we're praising the Lord. There comes a point in our life where we need to say hallelujah anyway. No matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstance, good or bad, we ought to say hallelujah anyway. In fact, let's try it. Let's see how you do. Now, this probably is not fair to the first service because I sort of just launched into it and four or five people shouted hallelujah with me anyway. And I said, hey, last week the second service really blew you guys away. And then all of a sudden it was on after that. So spirit of competition's in the air, I think, because of the Super Bowl. So I'm going to count to three, and I want you to give your best shout hallelujah anyway. You ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah! Wow. Okay. Don't tell them, but you blew them off the map again. So, so anyway, woo. So the church at Philippi, amazing story behind the church at Philippi. Did you know that the church at Philippi was actually the first church plant in Europe? The very first. And it was a result of the Macedonian call. You may be familiar with that. Paul's standing on the shore uh, in Asia at Troas looking across And he had wanted to go north to another area, and the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going that way. So that night he has a vision, or a dream, or a vision dream, whatever. But he sees somebody standing on the shore across the bay there. In fact, I've got it here, I'll show you. He's he's standing there, right here in in this area called Troas, and he sees a cross, and he sees over here on the other shore, that's Europe there, Macedonia, but it's Europe, And somebody's saying, come over here and help us. Come over here and help us. And they discerned that that was the Lord leading them to go. So they did. They picked up and they went the next day. And the very first church, the result is a little church called Philippi in a bustling city there. Very busy. It's a Roman settlement, Roman colony. And if you want to know more about it, either dive into your own study or go back and listen to last week's message. I spent a little more time on it. So that's Philippi. So we want to talk about this today. He finishes what he starts. I want you to know something. God is the ultimate promise keeper. Any of you men remember promise keepers? Man, I loved it. I went to Texas Stadium back in the day uh, over in Dallas-Fort Worth area and Arlington there. And man, that was just one of those moments hearing, standing where thousands of men talking about what it means to be a promise keeper, a man of integrity, a man of God. It's a wonderful experience. Let me tell you something. God is the ultimate promise keeper. And God has whispered some things into your heart and into your mind, into your spirit, into your soul, that you're thinking, I got the promise, but I've not seen the realization of that promise. Is anyone here, would you be willing to say along with me, yes, there's some things hanging out there. Yeah, absolutely. We know that. But here's the thing. God will and does finish what he starts. He is the ultimate finisher. Now, here's the problem. And when I say it's a problem, it's because the problem is not God. The problem is me or we. For example, did you know that when the Hebrew children, the Israelites, left Egypt, did you know that once they started their journey, that their journey, which took 40 years was only an 11-day journey? Okay, rewind just for a second. They took 40 years to make an 11-day journey. Because every time there was a test, 
every time God set up an opportunity for them to move forward, to move ahead, to take a next step, every time they failed the test, God, like a head coach, like a football coach, said, take another lap. And they would do a whole nother lap around this mountain for 40 years. Opportunities, failures. Opportunities, failures. 40 years for an 11-day journey. I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot like that situation, that God has put some things within our reach that may be in a very real metaphorical sense are an 11-day journey. Some of us are going on 40 years. Can I get an amen? Here's the good news. They finally crossed over. The good news is they finally possessed the land that God had given them. There was a promise. There was a realization of the promise. Could have been 11 days, but it only took 40 years. Some of us are in that in-between time right now, aren't we? We're just in that place where I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what I believe. I believe God said I was going to be here, but I'm here right now where I find myself. Let me tell you where that place is. I call that place Hallelujah Anyway. This is where I'm at. I'm not where I used to be, thank God. I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm going to praise Him anyway, and I will shout hallelujah anyway wherever I find myself on the journey. We have got to learn to begin to declare His praises no matter the circumstance. Maybe you're like me, where when everything's hitting on all eight cylinders car metaphor for the men. Whenever that sale goes on at Neiman Marcus, that's for the ladies. I don't know. I'm just reaching. But when things seem to be working, things seem to be going well, the kids are taking the trash out without having to be told, yes, there's a God in heaven. There, your husband's picking up his clothes off the floor and putting him in the dirty clothes and then taking the hamper into the washroom for you. And, hey, honey, I'll get the dishes tonight. No, really, I got this. When life is going good, it's easy to shout hallelujah. Can I get an amen? amen. Man, when you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to praise God. But it's when you're going around that mountain and the Lord goes, Take another lap. I just remember my head coach, Coach Thompson. Take another lap, boys. It's like, really, Coach? Another lap. And here you are taking another lap when you could have been there. I think that a lot of times, I know that for my own journey, I think there are things that probably could have been realized a lot sooner. But here's where I'm at. Hallelujah anyway. Better late than never. Amen? God will. Finish what he starts in you. Listen to Paul. Love the way Paul opens his letters. Traditional greeting in the first two verses, grace and peace. We talked about that last week. But then he, he shifts gears a little bit and listen to what he says. This is Paul writing to this little outpost, a church plant in Europe. The first one, he's writing to Lydia and those other folks that had gathered. And he says this, I thank my God. Oh, and by the way, he's writing from a Roman prison cell. Same place he wrote from when he penned a letter to the Colossian church. Remember we talked about Colossians? Same situation. He knew that he could die at any moment. And it's estimated, this happened in around 62 AD. It's estimated he died anywhere from around 62, 63, 64. So he knew 
as he was penning these words, this could be the last thing I'm saying. That's why I put so much gravity into what he says here. He's not just free writing. He's being very intentional with his words. And we need to read it with that weight and gravity. So context is king. Now that you know, let's read it as though Paul is penning his last words because they well may could have been. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Every time Paul thought about them, what would radiate up and well up within him was joy because of his love for them, his affection for them, because he cared for them deeply. But here's the beauty. They cared for him back. This was not a one-way thing. He loved them, and they loved him, and we'll see that. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, always, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See, what you may not know is that Lydia who was a part of that first gathering, that first group of ladies that the missionary Paul connected with in Silas and Timothy. When he connected with them, they were were down at the river and he led them to Christ, led them to Jesus. They began to meet and they started the core group. And Lydia was a seller of purple, which means she was very wealthy. His partnership is exactly what Jeffrey was talking about earlier. It was a partnership in prayer, in fellowship, but also a partnership in resources. We see that in the fourth chapter, which we'll look at later. He says this, because of your partnership in the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news. You are partnering with me to continue this journey of preaching the good news as a missionary on his third missionary journey here. He says this, and I love what he says about the character and nature of God. Read this with gravity. Read this with the weight with which it was written and the intent in which it was written. He says this, being confident of this. The word confident means exactly what you think it means. He was sure. He was absolutely convinced. Being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This thing that God starts in you, it may have been a dream, it may have been a thought, it may have been an impression, it might have been something someone said to you. And I have to ask you this, because this is how this happens to me. There are things that God has put in my heart. Maybe I was talking to somebody and they said, yeah, we've been involved in this thing. And something in you leaps. There's like something in you twitches and you're like, wait a minute, that resonated in me. I remember in grade school, our teacher, we, she had a tuning fork and she, she hit it and she said, now, boys, stick it on your sternum. And you put that tuning fork on your sternum, you could feel it through your whole body. It resonated. Sometimes when you hear something, it resonates inside of you. And you go, wait, yeah, yes. Sometimes you'll hear something in a given environment or you'll read something, you'll read about something, and something in you resonates, but then you say, yeah, but that's not me, that's them. Yeah, but I don't have the resources for that. Yeah, but I'm not positioned for that. Yeah, they live in a big city, I live in a small town. I mean, we can come up with a million reasons why we're not supposed to do something, and all it is is us giving ourselves a back door out when God is saying the Macedonian call, come on, come on, come on. But here's what happens. 
over time, maybe you forget about it. Maybe you don't think about it again. For example, in the, in the arena of sex trafficking, that is something that has resonated with me, this anti-human trafficking. And I heard about it years ago, but you have to understand, I worked in the foster care adopt system. So that I have a very real passion for the next generation and what the shattered brokenness, how the enemy is seeding tragedy and despair in the next generation. Now we're seeing it reaped in our kids. And I remember years ago that resonating with me, but, but I'm off to the races. I'm a senior pastor. I'm working for Dave Ramsey. I'm do, I mean, so much going on, spinning so many plates, that's one more plate I can't spin. And so in frustration, I've just had to kind of from a distance support it, pray for it, believe. But even recently, it's come back up in that tuning fork, blowing up inside of me. Sometimes when God starts something and you feel it and you sense it and you lean into it, you don't sense grace or favor there. It's not a no, it's just a not now. And there's a lot of you sitting on some not nows right now. You're sitting on it, but it doesn't mean it's a no. So don't rule out something just because there wasn't grace or favor on it in that moment. So you may sense what I'm trying to do here. I'm daring you to dream again. I'm daring you to ask the question, God, is there something that's dormant in me, that you placed in me, that you now are ready to resurrect? Is there something, a good work that you started, a good thing that you started, or a, something that you are ready now to begin carrying it towards completion? Would you dare to dream and believe? What is it, family? What is it in your heart that's been there, but you've thought, no, it's not the right time, it's not the right situation, it's not right for me now? What is it that's there that even as I'm saying this, you're going, yeah. Some of you are even afraid to think of it. Some of you are afraid to go there because of disappointment. Well, I triple dog dare you. You have to now. Right? <laughs> No, I ask you, would you just say, Lord, is there anything that I've left on the shelf? Is there anything I've left on the table over there that it's now time to pick back up? So as you're sitting here, what's resonating in your heart right now? And if this is disturbing you, you're welcome. Glad to help. That's what I'm here for. Being confident of this, he began a good work. We'll carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's going to finish this thing. He's going to complete it. I love that because it's his work, Amen. not just ours. Verse 7, he says this, it's right for me to feel this about you. Now, he shifts gears. He set, he set this up. Now, he talks about his affection. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. He has them in his heart. That's affection. That's how I felt every time Pastor Hank got up. That's how I felt every time Steve Berger, Pastor Steve, got up. That's how I felt every time Pastor Norwood got up. There's, you could feel their heart. And it's not an insult for me to say I don't remember what they preached, but I do remember who they were, and that changed my life and impacted my life for the kingdom. It's right for me to feel this way because I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains, because he was at the time, or defending and confirming the gospel, the good news, all of you share 
in God's grace with me. He says, we're in this together and we're better together. I've had a lot of people comment to me in a very good way about the way that I love to pray for other churches in our community. Let me just go there for a second because it's important that you understand my heart in this. Because I wasn't raised in church, I didn't know we're supposed to be against each other. No one ever told me that they were our enemies over there on the next block. No one ever told me that just because we don't believe every single thing exactly the same, that somehow we couldn't fellowship together and, and celebrate the things we do believe in. No one ever told me that until I got saved, until I became a Christian. And then I began to learn, oh my gosh, be careful. Don't say too many good things about them. People might go over there. So I'm just going to be real open and transparent because that's all I know how to be. First of all, every pastor in this community that preaches Jesus, I am their biggest fan. And I am their biggest cheerleader. Why? Because we are in this together. The church at Philippi and the church at Colossae, the church at Ephesus, they weren't enemies. They weren't worried that somebody's going to move from one community to the other and go over there and they're going to lose people. They celebrated one another. Paul circulated the letters around to all of them saying the same things. This is you. This is you. We're all in this together. We are better. That's called the kingdom of God. And so when you find it unusual that I pray for other churches and pastors and ministries, I'm thinking should, I, it's not unusual. It should be normal, right? So last week, my goal for the year is to go out with one pastor or ministry leader a week for coffee or lunch. And I was with Curtis this last week. I was with Randy Harding this last week. And I was with Pastor Casey over at Bethany this last week. I got three in one week. I bought two extra weeks. I don't have to do anything for... No, I'm kidding. Tomorrow I'm going out. I'm taking Tommy Russell to breakfast tomorrow over at Andy's. And why? Because we're in this together. You know what, Tommy? I get emotional talking about this. You know what he wrote me this morning when I said, hey. I just wrote him. I said, hey, Andy's, 9 o'clock tomorrow. I'm buying. You know what he wrote me back? He said, I'm there. And he said, today preach like it's the last sermon you'll ever preach. And I said, give them life. Give them life. Because we're better together. So I have to say this because as I hear Paul's heart and the sharing in God's grace together, look what he says in verse 8, and I want to say something. God can testify how, long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Here's the thing. Realistically, just to be straight, people are going to come and go. This is, this is the world we live in. Churches are going to come and go. Pastors are going to come. You're going to come and go. So we hold everything like this. I learned a long time ago, just let go. And here's the deal. I trust Jesus in every one of you. If you're supposed to be here, you'll be here. If you're not, you won't. And Lord bless you. See, after getting to know Pastor Casey and Pastor Tommy, getting to know Pastor Jeff over at St. Barnabas, getting to know Bobby Vitek. You talk about a pastor's pastor. When he hugs me, I feel like, Daddy, Daddy. He's just that guy. Love these men. And you know what? 
there may be a season where they've got something we don't. And God may need you to get something from them that we don't have. I am not so proud and so arrogant to think we've got it all. We are one lane out of a lot of lanes that are running the race together. And as we all run in the lane we're called to run in, and we operate in the grace gifts that we have, then the kingdom gets advanced. So when God looks down on this city, he doesn't see one church in the sense of, here's the bridge, here's Holy Ghost Lutheran, here's St. Mary's. What he sees is one church, one body, one people. Amen? Just know you're loved. You're loved, whether you're here or there. You're loved, period. And if you see me in aisle four at ATB, don't hurt yourself getting away from me. <laughs> I have stories. They're real. So God can testify. I'm not lying. How I long for you all. This is, listen, and go ahead, this worship team, come on up. Let's, let's land the plane. Paul then turns his attention, as he often does in his letters, to a prayer. And here's his prayer. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more. Isn't that amazing? The first thing he wants them to do is that their love would just increase. Amen. Their love. Can you imagine standing before God on judgment day and he looks at you and he says, you just loved people too much. As though that's a bad thing. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern. Discern means to divide. To discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? This is Paul's prayer. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Filled with, here's the problem. We blow through these passages to get to our favorite verse, like 1-6, or 3-10, or 4-13, where we blow through because we've highlighted those, but we sort of skip and skim, but these are filled with grace, filled with treasures and jewels. So listen to this. The fruit of righteousness, here it is. Righteousness is a tree. The fruit is what is produced out of the tree. He says this, that you would be filled with the fruit that the righteousness that is in you produces. You don't produce it. It's the righteousness in you. Jesus said this, that we have been made to be, actually Paul said this, we have been made to be the righteousnesses of God in Christ Jesus. As we stand in our rightness, that's what it means to stand upright, no shame, no condemnation, no judgment, no fear, no guilt, we stand in our uprightness, not in our behaviors, in our uprightness, in who Christ has made us to be, and who how he sees us and identifies us. As we do that, the fruit of righteousness is produced. You know what that fruit is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Sound familiar? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and everybody's favorite, self-control. The good news about the spirit of self-control, it's of the spirit. It's not of you. you. Have you tried to govern yourself lately? It doesn't work. How's that working out for you? But what does work is when it's the fruit of the spirit, the product of righteousness, the fruit. That's all that means to the glory and praise of God. Homework. We covered these. I'm going to go real quickly. 
practice the one-minute pause. I asked for a show of hands. I was actually very happy. How many here have done the one-minute pause or tried it? Wonderful. I hope it's going well for you. There's one, three, five, ten. I personally, I was gravitating. I'll actually like the one minute. I'll lean right into that thing. Play worship music in your home. Came home from Sunday uh, worship last Sunday. Walk into my house. Annette had cranked it up. It was blaring when we got home. It was going through the whole house. I said, I just talked about this. We hadn't even talked about it. Get these words on your lips. Here it is. Hallelujah anyway. Praise God anyway. Bless God anyway. Now here's one I added. Immerse yourself in God's word. Immerse. Here's an app for that. Use it. The YouVersion Bible app. It's a great way to read the scripture daily. Annette challenged me for a two-year reading plan. Two years? Two years. And I had to accept because it was my wife challenging me. So we're on a two-year read-through-the-Bible plan together. We're doing it together. So I want to encourage you. Use it. Use these tools. The last one we talked about, restoration over relief. You know, it's interesting. I put that as a caveat last week, and that was impactful for some folks. Ask this question, and, and I got corrected by a counselor last week, which is great. I take it. I'm learning. He said, don't, don't ask why am I reaching for this. He said, ask this, what is making me reach for this? Because we may never know why, but we may know what is driving. So that's, I thought, oh, brilliant. Thank you, Jeremy. I received that. So I'm saying this to you today. What is driving you to reach for relief and settle for relief when God is offering restoration? And you ask the question, is this relief or restoration? We're going to continue to bring this up, so here we are. And then that's what the app looks like, so I want you to get this. Can you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, the affection I feel for every person in this room, every person that was in the last service, Lord, it's, it's overwhelming. I am so grateful that after all these years, 37 years, I'm not jaded, I'm not mad, I'm not cynical, I'm not hurt and wounded, I'm not licking my wounds. Lord, I can stand before you as a son to say, I love these people. I thank you for men who modeled that for me, Pastor Hank Scott, Pastor Kim Norwood, Pastor Steve Berger. These men who loved in spite of taking hits and shots, in spite of disappointment, in spite of betrayal, in spite of life, they chose love. Father, because of their modeling, I choose love. And I pray for each person here. Father, as you've given me the privilege of being a shepherd over this body, you've given each person here a sphere of influence, a sphere of influence, a sphere, a sphere of relationships to shepherd. And they too can choose love and affection where they live, where they work, and where they play. So, Lord, that's my prayer for our family here. That we would be known as lovers that are radical. Amen. Radical lovers. Radical gracers. I, I pray that we'll become known as gracists. <laughs> Those people over there are just a bunch of gracists. Yeah, we'll take that.
We'll take that. They're just so full of mercy. They're just mercy this and mercy that. Yeah, we'll take that too. They just, they're just a bunch of forgivers. They forgive everybody. You can't tick those guys off more than an hour. Lord, we'll take that too. We'll lean into it knowing that it is a fruit of righteousness. So I pray for my friends here. If you're here this morning and you need to take a next step, on the 23rd, we're having a baptism service in the second service. I would invite you, if you have not taken that step, it's time to take that step. There's others here who've not even taken the first step on the journey in Christ, and you need to step over the line and go all in with Jesus. We invite you to take that step. Maybe you're on down the road and you just need prayer today. We want to be available to you. I want to invite our prayer team. If you would, would you all come on up and be ready? We're going to be here. Whatever you need, we're here for you. Let's all stand together. We're going to go out with worship in Jesus' name.